morning. My name is Joy. Normally I'm here doing music for you, but um, I have been literally in bed almost this entire week with my wonderful husband who needs a Father's Day hug today (laughs) for being an awesome daddy. I think I'll be okay, but that's awesome. Thanks. Anyway, it is only by the grace of God that I am here and people wonderfully filled in for me on worship so that I could have a little less to do this morning. Um, I emailed my mom at some point and said, I've been reading these awesome books about motherhood and I think that the concepts in them really apply to everybody, male, female, student, wherever you're at. <clears throat> and uh, is anybody preaching on Mother's Day yet? She goes, no. <laughs> so here I am. <clears throat> and happy Mother's Day to everybody who's here today. And as she said to all the ladies who are here, you've, you've been... I know there's women in this church who have never been um, a mommy of their body, but they have mommied me, and I'm grateful for all of you. We love you guys, or girls, ladies. <laughs> um, I'm going to make an attempt to share with you some thoughts today about motherhood and about living the Christ-like life and how that can apply to us. I have one child right now. He's two years old, and we have one on the way. Um, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not up here because I have it all figured out. I make a lot of mistakes. (laughs) Um, I'm human. I think that we can all relate to that. Um, But I've been really inspired by a couple books that I have read. One is called Loving the Little Years by a lady named Rachel Jankovic, and another called Fit to Burst by the same author. Um, I picked up the one called Loving the Little Years because I had had a few books recommended to me about toddler age, feeling like I was needing some help. And I put them all down within the first few chapters because they all started with this concept of relating to how tough it is to have little kids and how you're overwhelmed and tired and there's so much laundry and, you know, the house is always crazy. And I just, I was just like, that's not the life I want. And I just couldn't get any further. And so when the title was Loving the Little Years, I thought, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be able to do. And she really has some great stuff in there. Most of what I'm going to share today, though, is from the second book called Fit to Burst because it has more to do with the character of our heart and who Christ is shaping us to be. I would say that kind of the, the crux of the message in that book is that our daily activity is what God uses to shape us. And that's true, male, female, mother, not ever been a parent, um, too young to be a parent, etc. <clears throat> and that the people in our lives, whether they're children or otherwise, co-workers, um, what's the name, classmates, Um, Those people are his tools that he is using to shape us. The author of the book, Rachel, she actually had five children in five years, um, a set of twins being part of that, all girls except one boy being one of the twins. So she definitely had her hands full with little ones and was able to to, um, come to terms with what is the Lord asking me to do and to be as a person through this. Um, In our faith, the goal of our faith, or some of the, Some of our really foundational goals of our faith are to live out God's plan for our life, to grow and become more in his likeness. Um, When we're teens in college age, which wasn't too long ago for me, the Christian message is change the world, live your destiny, find your passion, find your calling, your purpose, and then walk it out. And it's a great message. Um, And we usually make some attempt in that time of our lives to do some of those sort of things. And... Uh, and then maybe we get married, or maybe we don't. But anyway, some years pass, 
And then we really start hitting those questions from a different angle. What indeed is my purpose? Lord, are you ever going to tell me? Are you ever going to tell me so that I can do it? Are you ever, am I ever going to figure it out so that I can live it like, like I wanted to and had the passion to? Um, and then if a few more years go by, some people end up in the situation of saying, how does this whole purpose thing not get lost in the daily grind of life? Because it kind of feels like that's what's happening. And um, kind of the, what I'm trying to say today is that the daily grind of life is indeed our purpose. And by the end of our lives, if we're hoping to be a person of great character, of deep faith, of lasting impact, how are we going to get to be that person? How are we going to become that person who looks like they have purpose and they have lived something that is meaningful? How do we become a person who is filled with the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control? And the working out, the making us into that future person, that working out of our faith, our purpose, is happening right now in our lives every single day where we are in the circumstances that are surrounding us and how we respond to those. Sometimes um, we have this feeling that we need to go hunting for God at work. And while that's a good thing to do to watch out what he's doing, he's always at work right in front of our face. And we just have to participate with him in that. So if you are a mother, it is the runny noses and the temper tantrums and the dirty bathrooms that are the very instruments God wants to use (laughs) to make you become that future person. (laughs) He is teaching us self-control when we find marker on the wall. He is teaching us peace when everyone is crying at once. He is teaching us gentleness when our toddler smacks our face, which has happened on several occasions. (laughs) He is teaching us joy when the house is an insurmountable mess. If you're not a mother or your children are grown out of the house, these things still apply. So at any point that I'm talking today and I say your kids... I just want you to kind of in your mind insert your coworkers, your roommates, the names of family members, people you interact with on a daily basis, especially anyone who might get on your nerves, get in your way, or any person or situation in your life that occurs on a very repetitive basis. Because that's how our kids are. They're pretty repetitive. <clears throat> These people are God's tools who are in your life right now that he wants to use to mold and shape you. Um. When I was talking about some of those other books and that thing about, oh, the house is a mess and my life is crazy, I think that some of that is uh, some moms who have really young kids in that season of their life being a lot of work and being pretty intense. Um, Just trying to relate and say, you know, it's okay if your house isn't always perfect and it's okay if your kids aren't always perfect. But the trouble is it sometimes gets into this complaining thing that really bugs me. And, um, you know, like, don't worry about it. Just everybody don't worry about it. And that's the perspective of the world. That's not the narrative of the Bible. Um, And it's one more great reason to bring the Bible back into our busy lives, whether we're a mommy or otherwise. The more we are steeped in the language of the Bible, the more we'll recognize when things from the world are slipping in. So we're going to read a little scripture here. And I'm going to kind of introduce some mommy-child language in this scripture so that we see it from a perspective that's different than we normally do. But again, just try to put that in context of, your classmates, your roommates, your coworkers, um, whatever situation where you are in life right now. So this is Second Corinthians 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly into their children's lives will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously into their children's lives will also reap generously. So each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. 
for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you, their mother, abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, you as a mommy will have everything you need to abound in every good work. As it is written, mommies have been freely scattering their gifts to their poor, to their children. And their righteousness endures forever. Now he, the Lord, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store as a mother of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you will be able to be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity to your children, there will be a result of thanksgiving to God. These mommy duties that you perform every day are not only supplying the needs of your children, who are the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, all those diapers, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I do want to acknowledge, as the author does, that real life is messy. And it's messy because it's going somewhere. And the repetition of it, whether that's changing diapers or doing laundry or whether that's going to work every day and following that same road and dealing with those same people, situations, that repetition should not discourage us. It should challenge us. Um, If we think about an athlete or we think about a student who's trying to learn to play an instrument, when they're practicing and they're doing those practice drills over and over and over again, the practice drills are not a waste of their time. That repetition is not a waste of their time. So, Instead of being discouraged by all those tasks that keep popping up every day or every week, how do we get our sense of achievement and satisfaction from cheerfully performing them? When we do that, when we cheerfully perform those tasks and we try to get our sense of peace there, there is nothing but good that can come out of that in our lives. How do we rejoice in making dinner again? Because God rejoices in us doing it cheerfully and us doing it well. The author has a quote here that I really connect with. She says, children get up in the gears of every part of your life. (laughs) She says, you may have given up a career to have children. You may have given up your body. You may have given up hours of time you would otherwise spend on personal hobbies or interests. And you may want to think that whatever you gave was enough, that the sacrifice can stop already, because look at what I've already lost. Look at what I've already given. Don't ask more of me. I have given it all. And there's a couple points to be made here. The first is that there is a difference between giving something and having it taken from you. (laughs) If you still count the things that you lost with resentment, you didn't give it. (laughs) So lay them down, give them freely. Romans 12. Got a lot of scripture in here. And I'm doing that because the word of God just, if we can read it in context, what we're talking about, it just really is powerful. Therefore, I urge you, Um, brothers and sisters and mommies, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, complaining or hoarding or not wanting to give freely, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Freely give. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member, family, the mommy, the daddy, the children, they all belong to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Our children each have different gifts according to what is given to them. shouldn't expect them to all be exactly the same. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, give encouragement to your children. If it is giving, give generously to your children. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Your love for your family must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, lots of affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people, your children, your family, your coworkers, your classmates who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, toddlers who slap you in the face. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with your little people of low position. Do not be conceited. So the second point here, which we see in this scripture, is that the, the Bible and the Lord are calling us to place a higher priority on the needs of others than on our own needs. And scripture does this over and over and over again. And there's this mantra mantra or idea that happens out in the world and I've heard it often directed at mommies but even at other people too um, which is self-care and you must take care of yourself in order to be care for the needs of others and um, I just have to say from reading the Bible that I think that's the world's idea that the Bible doesn't tell us take care of ourselves he says that the Lord will take care of us that he is our source that he is the one looking out for us The scripture encourages us instead to continually lay down our lives, our needs, our desires for the cause of the kingdom and for the lives of those he has called us to serve. But we are to always be giving and not, oh, I need to stop and replenish myself now because it's his job to replenish us. Now, if replenishing ourselves means we go spend some time in his word or we go spend some time listening to worship music or we spend some time listening to a sermon on tape or we come to church and put our kids in children's ministry so that we can get filled up for the week, um, That's great, but that's not self-care. That's allowing the Holy Spirit to infuse you and fill you and give you the grace that you need. Here's one more verse that we've read a lot, but it talks talks about this same concept. Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
So it's important that we prioritize our children. We prioritize our spouse. We prioritize those around us as their needs being more important than ours. Why do we do that? Because we imitate Christ. And there is no amount of humbling ourselves that can compare to Christ's death. There is no amount of sick children or poopy diapers or folding laundry that compares to Christ's death. Have we taken on the form of a servant? We sure feel like it sometimes. But in doing so, we are following the example of Christ. Christ's life given up for others is the centerpiece of our faith. And our lives given up for others is the centerpiece of our faithfulness. She said that, not me. I'm just getting to share it with you guys. All right, so my next little section is called fruit. This is a beautiful plate of fresh fruit. I was trying to find something that didn't like the stuff, didn't look like the ones you get from the store in the little plastic separated trays. It looked like maybe someone had actually made it at home and put some love and attention into it. And the idea of this is, what if I, if I hadn't been sick all week, I really was going to bring a tray of fresh fruit, but I had to just come to grips with my abilities this week. <laughs> um, but anyway, so let's just say that I had brought this beautiful tray of fresh fruit and I was setting it on the table and there was a nice little table here and my children and, and maybe some other little children here, since I've only got one, were able to gather around and come and eat from this beautiful tray and plate of fruit. And there's a few ways, if you were, whoever you are sitting in the audience, mom or not mom, that you could look at that. And the first way, um, let's say that I'm the one who's here serving. The first way that I could look at it as being self-righteous. I'm a better mom because I'm serving healthier food that I've prepared thoughtfully. I've taken all this effort to cut it up, make sure that it's something nourishing for them, and it's all organic. <laughs> um, and then someone else watching could be self-deprecating. I'm a terrible mom. My kids refuse to eat anything that's green. I can't afford organic fruit. I don't have time to make nice food because I'm too busy. And so the self-righteous person is full of judgment for others, and therefore they cut themselves off from improvement. What could I do to even better serve my family? Because I've arrived, and we don't want to get there. And the self-deprecating person is preventing themselves from learning and growth, and they're also not acknowledging the strengths that they do have in caring for their children, maybe just not the particular one that's being displayed at that moment. I'm not asking for us to have a healthy balance between the perfect mom who's setting out a tray of gorgeous, organic, hand-cut fruit. Um, I'm not asking for us to find a balance between that perspective and the perspective of despair or self-deprecation. Neither of those is where we want to be. I'm asking us to live the life of Jesus, which was humble and servant-hearted and faithful and generous. There's no balance between two evils. There's just none of it. There's just Jesus. If we could be the most accomplished mother or person in the world in our own strength, it wouldn't matter in the end. There is no freedom from sin we can find by doing something. Jesus is all. His blood is sufficient, and there is nothing we can do to change that. <clears throat> this is Romans chapter 3. Now do you see it? No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know God's laws, the clearer it becomes we aren't obeying them. His laws serve only to make us see we are sinners. But now God has shown us a different way to heaven, by not being good enough and trying to keep his laws, but by a new way, though not new really, for the scripture told about it long ago. Now God says he will accept and acquit us, declare us not guilty, if we trust Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in this same way by coming to Christ no matter who we are or what we have been like. Yet all have sinned 
and all fall short of God's glorious ideal. Yet now God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ, who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. For God sent Christ Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to end all God's anger against us. He used Christ's blood and our faith as the means of saving us from his wrath. In this way, he was being entirely fair, for though he did not punish those who sinned in former times, he was looking forward to the time when Christ would come and take away those sins. And now in these days, also, he can receive sinners in this same way because Jesus took away their sins. But isn't this unfair for God to let criminals go free and say they are innocent? No, for he does it on the basis of their trust in Jesus who took away their sins. Then what can we boast about doing to earn our salvation? Nothing at all. Why? Because our acquittal is not based on our good deeds. It is based on what Christ has done and our faith in him. So it is that we are saved by faith in Christ and not by the good things we do. And then Romans follows that at other parts of Romans with, you know, okay, so because everything has been paid for and because we're set free, you know, what do we do now? We just get to be free. Well, the love of Christ is not the reason we don't have to do things. It is the reason we get to do things freely. Salvation isn't free. We hear that a lot in church. Salvation is free. I'm sorry. Salvation is not free. Jesus paid for it. He paid a very high price. It's free to us because someone else paid a great deal. And this is why we do not work out our salvation by never doing anything that might be hard or difficult for us. We imitate Christ, and we make sacrifices for others. We do things that are hard, that cost us, because we want our gifts to be free to others. When we imitate Christ, we want to give what costs us, and we want to give it freely. So we decide consciously that we are giving this meal, this clean room, these errands, this wipe of a snotty nose, we are giving it freely. And much later, maybe 30 years later, we would like to see our children turn a profit on it. We would like to see our kids taking what they were freely given and turning it into more free gifts. I think I'm more emotional because I'm still sick, so I'm sorry about that. And this is because God's story is never little. He works in generations, in lifetimes, and he wants us to do the same. All right, um, Terry, I'm going to skip the mean boss. Sorry, it's all it's all good it's all good stuff. There just isn't time for it all. Maybe I'll maybe I'll start a community group where we read this book because it applies to everybody. Anyway, all right, we're going to move on to panning for <laughs> panning for gold. <clears throat> so in the original method of a picture here, I think probably the color one was not an original photo, but someone created it later. Anyway, um, in the original method of panning for gold, they spent a lot of time just sifting through sand and dirt, trying to find little bits and flecks of gold. And um, in our daily lives with our kids or coworkers or spouses or classmates, uh, people that we interact with, we are laying down flecks of gold in those people's lives. Every time we interact with them, if we 
are choosing to lay gold in their life. Um, and it doesn't normally happen with a big lump. When they, a lot of people got rich by never finding a big old nugget. They just found little tiny scraps and flecks. And that's what we want to do on a regular basis, just little tiny scraps and flecks of gold that we lay down in those people's lives. And I think that sometimes our lives get so busy and wrapped up that we forget to think about doing that continually. And so we try to just deposit nuggets. We'll take them on a two-week trip to Disney World or... Um, We'll get them a new bicycle or we'll buy SeaWorld passes and the family will go out there every Saturday. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're all beautiful things for a family to be able to do together. But we don't want to substitute some big nugget trying to fall in there and think that that's going to be adequate in continually laying gold through our kids' lives as they're growing. Here's some examples of what the gold is that I'm talking about. It is quick forgiveness. It is quick repentance. It is cheerful smiles and tender hugs. It is teasing and laughing. It is wrestling with daddy. It is dinner. Regular, predictable, together. It is having physical needs looked after. It is being disciplined. It is being challenged. It is being educated. It is being made to do something you don't want to do because it's the right thing to do. It is not being the boss. It is not getting away with lying. It is knowing who to talk to. It is being taught how to pray. It is security. It is joy. It is every day. It is knowing your little people and being known by them. It is knowing your faith and knowing the faith of your parents. As our children go, the, grow, this gold-flecked foundation is being laid. And it's very tempting to think we could just do it once a week or once a day or once every few months and get it over with. I'll make up for that harsh remark later by letting them have some snacks, some extra treats. I'll be fun this weekend when I'm not stressed. I'll be fun when the weekend is over and we're back on a schedule. I'll be fun when they're easier and they're older. I'll be a nice mom when they start being nice kids. I'll think of something big to make up for this. I'll throw a gold nugget in there somewhere when I have the energy or the money or the desire. But our opportunities to bless our children and those in our lives are most often present when we least feel like it. This is why we cannot depend on our emotions to dictate our actions. We need to discipline our emotions to fall in line with our obedience. We are to love our children, to bring them up in the Lord, and that means all the time. I'm not saying we're not going to mess it up because we are. I've messed up plenty of times, but this is our goal, right? Psalm 27. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Why would their children be a blessing? because they have followed their parents' example of generosity that they grew up. They have followed their parents' example of beginning to lay and cast gold into other people's lives. The life of a Christian parent is constant giving, constant depositing, constant building up the bank account of love and security and trust in the lives of your kids. So here's the challenge. This is the hard stuff. When we feel tension mounting, when something is happening that feels extremely wild, when we feel like coming unglued at our kids over something that has gone wrong, before we react to them, get a grip on ourselves and look for how we could use this situation to lay gold. And remember, the gold doesn't mean they get away with whatever sin it was they just committed. It can just as easily mean appropriate discipline, not punishment and anger, but a moment of instruction and appropriate consequences. And we show them that they are precious by giving them what it is that they need, not what we need, not what we think they need, or probably not what they deserve, but what they truly need. 
We don't correct our children to make our lives easier. We correct them to make their lives richer. And giving our own self-control and our own self-discipline to our children cannot be overdone. All right. This next section is called Milkshake Mom. Benjamin's like, you have a section called Milkshake Mom. I'm like, hmm, that's what she called it. In our house, however, nobody can have milk, so this is smooth. I would replace it with smoothies. This is me and Jack's. Uh, he's five months old, I think. Somewhere around there. Anyway, it was the first time we shared a, a fruit smoothie together. Just a little mommy, mommy son date. All right, so the author says, and she talks about how if people are sharing a smoothie and everyone has their own straw, they all suck faster and faster than you would if you were just drinking it by yourself. Because every sip for someone else means less for you. And she says that children have straws that tap into mom's energy. And the smoothie cup is mom and her energy. And every child is armed with a straw. And when the glass is full, things are very pleasant. Everyone can drink. There's still some left. When you get down to the last inch, all the straws make that horrible sound. I can't do it. I was going to bring We've been having smoothies this week because it's a nice thing to eat when you're sick. And uh, anyway, and it makes this horrible sound. <clears throat> and everyone panics that the supply is gone. And then they all start sucking harder in their panic. And then mom panics. And she's thinking, I just need everybody to stop so I can make a new batch. But nobody stops because they're all trying to lick the last remnants off the inside of the glass. <laughs> And she says the demands for your attention and your energy suddenly get loud and obnoxious when you feel there isn't anything left to give. The truth is your children aren't demanding anything different than what they were made to need. Usually when they use this straw, they get fed. Right now when they use this straw, mom gets snappy. We think that if we were doing motherhood right, it just wouldn't be this hard. But that's like improving a runner's form. You still have to run, and it still won't be easy. Hopefully you're going to get to where you're not puking in the bushes and passing out from dehydration just two blocks from where you left. (laughs) But you aren't going to take the running out of running. John chapter 17. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Our children have been given to us. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For, wow, this is really, really interesting. Thanks, John. For I give them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. 
Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, sanctification is one of the words that we use in the church. Um, and we try to avoid interesting words here that you wouldn't normally hear in your normal life, um, unless we can give you an explanation. This is a great word. There really isn't another explanation. I mean, there really isn't another word that says what it says. Um, and what it means is the act or process of becoming holy, of being transformed, of becoming into Christ-likeness. And so when we say the word you are being sanctified. It means you are being changed. You are being made holy. You are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. When we are at home with our children, this is the means of our sanctification. When you are at work on a tight schedule with a demanding boss, this is the means of your sanctification. When you are at school with classmates who are lying, bullying, or shaming others, this is the means of your sanctification. How will you respond? How will you be transformed into a person who is holy? We want all that yucky stuff in our hearts, because there's lots of it, to slowly be replaced by the holy stuff of Christ. So we praise him. We thank him. We beg for his help. In the middle of the madness, we say, Lord, sanctify me. Take out more of the yucky stuff and the attitudes and replace it with your holiness. Replace it with your joy. Replace it with your peace right now. This is the testing of our faith. It is Christ's faithfulness that enables our faithfulness. We can trust him to fill our smoothie glass because his never runs low. And so we don't have to stop. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that people didn't leave here with that illustration and then look at their kids the next time like, you're just sucking me dry. You know? <laughs> Remember that milk? smoothie glass you told me about? The thing is, we don't, stop and, we don't stop and fill that up. The Lord is the one who fills it. And so what you do in that moment, instead of looking at your kids and say you're being these horrible people that are taking all my energy out, is you say, God, fill my class more. Bring it to full again. So that these people who were designed to need me and to need my help and who you gave to me have more to drink from. Lord, fill me. Put back in there the joy and the peace that I need. And sometimes we just have to stop. I don't always do this successfully at home, but I do try to. Some, sometimes, I, sometimes I am successful to just stop. And I've, I've started doing it lately, uh, sometimes when Jax isn't obeying me, instead of me going to, you know, Jax, um, I, I try to do a choice, like let's say we're outside and I want him to go inside. I can carry you or you can walk, so that either way we get inside. It was one of the great tips that I had read at some point. But sometimes there isn't like two good choices like that, that he can choose either one and it'll all work out fine. Sometimes the option is you need to obey or there's discipline involved. And it had occurred to me a few weeks ago after some message that I heard here to start inviting the Holy Spirit to work in Jax's life in those moments. And so I've several times now stopped and said, when he's not obeying me, instead of saying, Jax, you can come with me or you can have a spanking, I've just stopped and said, Holy Spirit, would you come fill Jax and help him to be obedient right now? And about half the time it works, <laughs> which is a pretty good ratio. And the other half the time I usually get, offer him one more chance, and he often, he often will follow and obey. Um, and I've had to use less discipline since doing that. It's been a really cool change. <clears throat> we can trust the Lord to teach us how to lay gold in our children's lives, the lives of those around us, because he is laying it in us. And so, again, we just ask him, Lord, would you fill us more? Would you lay more gold in us? And, and church can be part of it, and um, things that we do to experience his presence, um, as I talked about earlier, can be part of that.
The great blessing of being a Christian is that we have both a reason for the journey we are on and a companion for it. We are not alone. We are not the first ones who gave up our bodies, our time, or our lives. We are not the first ones to sacrifice everything or what feels like everything. So what I'd like for us to do is everybody stand, because this isn't just for mommies today, this is for all of us. And if you're able to, if you would just kind of step closer to certain aisles that everyone can hold hands across the rows. Um, everyone in this room was born of a mother, right? <laughs> we all, everyone here has a mommy. It doesn't have to be the whole congregation, just so that across the rows, across your rows, that, that people are connected. It doesn't need to be a big la-la-la circle or something. (laughs) But we all need him to fill us up. We all need him to fill our glasses with the joy and the peace that we need. We all need him to come and lay gold in us and give us the strength and, and the clearness of mind to pause in a tough, tough situation where everything is getting wild and say, Lord, help me lay gold right now. What is the gold I need to lay? Is it appropriate discipline? Is it just forgiveness and moving on? Is it just a tickle to diffuse the situation? There was a time when I told Benjamin he was having trouble with Jacks with a certain time of day and a certain activity. He was repeatedly having disobedience. And I said, well, you have two choices in that moment. You can choose to discipline him so that here's the consequence for you not responding to me. Or you can choose to just change the mood. And you could tickle him. You could sing a song. You could throw him on the bed. You know, you just do something to just, like, snap out of that. And with a toddler, it works really well. You can often do that successfully. And I've seen him take that advice and do it many times and that's really beautiful I hear that tension mounting in his voice and all of a sudden I hear Jack's laughing <laughs> all right Lord we I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray so just um close your eyes and just let him come it, come to you now Lord we we need you to sanctify us we need you to make us holy Lord we need you to take out the yucky stuff and the bad attitudes and the grumpiness and the Lord, the disappointment with having to repeat certain things over and over and over again, it seems like we're never going to get it, or tasks that just are always coming up in front of us again. Lord, we need you. We need to be people of faithfulness. We need to be people who can cheerfully respond and allow you to transform us with all those annoying people and all those tough situations. Lord, to bring your transformation into our hearts. Lord, we want to respond to your faithfulness to us. We want to be your faithful children. Holy Spirit, just come now. I'm just going to give a minute for the Holy Spirit to come. Just open your hearts and listen if he has anything to say to you. Lord, I just thank you for your work. I thank you that you started this work and that you're going to finish this work, that it's your goal. And we just have to say, Lord, use me. Come and do it. Lord, let us do that more and more this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, um, to conclude the service, I'll just let you know that we will have some folks over here near the cross. If you need extra prayer today for anything, something that um, was brought up today that touched your heart, or you're just feeling like a total parent failure and you need some encouragement, or you came with a physical um, injury or sickness that you'd like some prayer for, um, et cetera. We will have some folks over here standing by the cross who are ready to pray with you. Um, and we just invite you to, to come over there. Otherwise, the service is dismissed. And go see your kids. And we'll see you next week.
Yeah, call your mom. <laughs> if she's alive, give her a call. If she's not alive, say, Jesus, give her a hug for me today. <laughs>